continuing on in our morning chapel service, our first John sermon series. And uh, there's this guy that's speaking this morning that just had like a regular any kind of weekend last weekend, you know, like just like a regular nothing special kind of weekend. I'm kidding. James, what a weekend last weekend. James, come on up. This cool guy got engaged to an even cooler girl. (laughs) Bless you, buddy. I can't, I can't find her. She was supposed to, oh, hi, there you are. Oh, cute. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you. Something uh, to know about me, I'm super awkward, so let's get through this. (laughs) 20 minutes. Okay, we're going to be talking about 1 John 2, 15, 17. We just talked about uh, how the light overcomes the darkness. And so now we're on to a little bit of a warning here, which is really fun. So 1 John 2, 15, 17 says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So there was a couple ways that I think we could have gone with this passage, but I... I think that we should stick with that little warning that it has. Do not love this world. So what does it mean to love the world? So in this passage, John is not talking about the physical planet or the universe. Uh, In fact, the word he uses is cosmos, and there's a couple of different meanings. Again, the universe, the world, or it means the people in this world, which... I'm pretty sure Jesus said, love the people, so that's not that one. But John talks about the culture of this world, which, if you read the news lately, is something that is very disturbing. So loving the world in this passage is used to say loving the culture and the practices of this world. So what are the culture and practices that the world offers us? Well, we read it, craving for physical pleasure such as sexual immorality, craving for everything we see, such as consumerism. Yay, iPad. (laughs) Craving for pride and recognition, such as self-righteousness. So those are the things that John explains as meaning to love the world. We love those things, but we shouldn't. So what does having the love of the world in you look like? Well, it looks like selfless or selfishness. It's it's all about what I can get. It's all about me. You know, look at me, I'm I'm up here talking to you guys and I'm sure I'll get 
I've already had a few people come up to me and say, hey, I'm so excited, and heck yeah, you are. I'm great. <laughs> Kick the table if I want to. Self-righteousness. Uh, it looks like self-loathing. So that means that you'll never be good enough. No matter what you do, no matter how you feel, you always feel like you're not good enough for the job. Self-loathing. It looks like anger. Someone tells you off, go punch him in the face. Because they wronged you. So having the love of the world in you looks like all these things, but most importantly, it looks like an incomplete picture. It's insatiable. It's unstable, superficial. It's unsatisfying to have the love of the world in you. And there's actually quite a few examples that we can find of people in the world who experience this. Does everybody know who Jim Carrey is? Dude, the mask, so good. Yeah, Cademan, come on. So he says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything that they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Uh, Russell Brand, if you know him, drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are the solution to fill up a hole inside of me. Or even Freddie Mercury, Bohemian Rhapsody. Ah. Did anybody see that movie? How was it? Cool. I might see you later. <laughs> Freddie Mercury says, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds. And that's not, that's not weight, that's money. He's British, so... But it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. And I think that's so sad that these three people, influential, very famous people. Ooh. No, I won't do that. I was going to shout out Alf, but I would get in trouble. These three very rich and famous people, everyone knows, everyone loves. The key theme in all of their lives is that no matter what the world offers you, no matter what you get from the world, it's not what you want. It'll never be enough. There's a hole inside of them that they just can't fill with what the world offers. So what does having the love of the Father in you look like? looks like acceptance. Find that in Romans 15.7. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. It looks like selflessness. John 15.12.14. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. And it looks like love. John 3.16, easiest verse to remember. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's complete. What does love of the Father look like? It looks complete. It looks whole. So I want to share just a quick story. Um, It's not really a quick story, but I'll make it a quick story. So uh, before I came to Summit, um, about six years ago, uh, I was leading worship in my home church. Uh, I was dating this this uh, woman from, from my high school, uh, and my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And so, of course, as a teenager, you think, okay, well, sex is nice, so... Uh, I want that. And you think, well, recognition is pretty fun. I like to be recognized. I like people giving me praise. I want that. And so as I was leading uh, worship in the church, uh, and I was was having this ongoing relationship with um, this girl, I thought that I had everything that I had wanted. I was getting physical pleasure. I was getting uh, recognition. But as time went on, I found that I was very dead inside. There was no emotional or spiritual fire. There's nothing. And I thought, well, maybe it's just because of what was going on with my dad. And, you know, I played it off as, oh, it's, I just need more of it. I just need more of it, and I'll feel better. So... I had more of it, and I just kept going. And I found that actually I was getting more recognition as I continued to lead worship, and people uh, started giving me more and more praise, and the lead pastor was starting to look at me like, hey, maybe you could stay, and maybe you could be our worship pastor. But I was dead inside. And then Dad died, and I came to school and uh, broke up with um, this girl. And uh, it's taken me about till now to start to put myself back together, to start to feel anything inside me once again. And I didn't have to go through that. It was my choice to choose the things that the world offered me to make me feel better rather than the things that God has called me, accepted, and loved. And there's one guy who said something that really resonated with me, Matthew Henry. Um, He said, unless this victory over the world is begun in the heart, a person has no root in themselves, but will fall away, or at least remain an unfaithful professor. I didn't get this in my heart for a long time. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. And I remained an unfaithful professor. And I was singing songs and praising God to someone I didn't really believe in or care for. I just did it because 
got me somewhere. And I can't even imagine what it would have been like if I had the love of the Father in me and I accepted that. How fruitful I could have been and how many people could have heard my story or been affected and could have been brought to Christ. But I remained an unfaithful professor. Unfruitful. And uh, last night I was going over this. And I was like, there's one thing. There's one thing that I, I need to articulate, but I just can't because I suck at words. And uh, Josh, <laughs> Josh, I was sitting in the chair and Josh looked at me and he's like, hey, I've been holding on to this verse for a little bit. And we'd been like talking about how to, what to preach about this. He's like, I got this verse. I think it might help. And he says, it's John 10.10, 10, where it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and live to the full. The world offers you physical pleasure, a craving in everything we see, and craving for pride and recognition. Things that will steal, kill, and destroy you. But God has come to give us life. And life to the full. To be accepted. To be loved. And so when it says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. I don't take that as God doesn't love you. I take that as you have an incomplete love that is superficial and never enough. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, everything that we take pride in for achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father or from the world. They are hollow and cannot fulfill or sustain you. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. They cannot stand the test of time. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And so if there's anything that I would like you to take away from today is that, yes, this is a warning. Don't love the world. But also this is an encouragement. Don't settle for the mediocre when you've been given the best. Don't settle for the mediocre when you've been given the best. Let's pray. God, you have given life and life to the full. You've given your one and only son to take our sins and redeem us and make us whole. So God, I pray that today and going forward that we wouldn't settle for the things that the world offers us. The instant gratifications that the world presents to us and says, this is the answer. 
God, we know that you are the answer, and so I pray that we would listen to only you, that we would believe in the things that you call us, your son, your daughter, chosen, loved. I pray that we would take that to heart and that when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that we would be ready, that we would remember that we are loved, that we are chosen, that you love us so much, as much as east is from the west. So God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for this encouraging word. Pray that we would take it to heart and have a good rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Get out of here.